Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in week three of our sermon series called Christmas is Bigger Than You Think. And remember what we're doing in this series is instead of walking through the Christmas story as we traditionally do, we are in an attempt to understand Christmas in even bigger ways, examining some of the most important passages in the New Testament that are not what we normally think of as Christmas passages to see what it is that they have to teach us about just how big and amazing Christmas really is. So in week one, what we uncovered is that God sent his son into the world as the reflector of his glory in the exact imprint of his essence. And the reason God sent him into the world was to fill his plan or to take God's plan of saving, redeeming, and restoring all things to the next level, ultimately bringing all things to completion. Then last week, what we discovered is that God didn't come into the world with all his power and might, forcing everyone to subdue. No, this God instead came into the world as a servant, or the one who puts the needs and wants of others before himself, ultimately giving his everything as our servant Savior. But this week, what I would like to do to take Christmas to a whole other level is I want to share with you my favorite Christmas story, which begins in John 1, 1 and 2, and it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about this Christmas story is this story doesn't begin with Jesus' birth sometime around 4 BCE. No, this, this story begins at the moment when heaven and earth was spoken into existence by our God. And who's there in the beginning, according to the Gospel of John, is it's not only God doing this, but there's this being called the Word. Or in Greek, it's the Logos. And what you need to know about this Logos is that this is a concept that is way bigger than just words on a page or the words that we speak. Oh, this concept is expansive in its meaning and brings to light a whole lot of what's really going on in John's Christmas story. Or to give you some perspective on this concept, many ancient Greek philosophers said that the Logos was the divine reason that undergirds and orders all things. It's this power, force, energy, life, and agent that gives the universe form, function, and meaning. Specifically, the, the Stoic philosopher Zeno describes the Logos as the active reason that is pervading and animating the universe. Then you have... Philo, a Jewish philosopher, and he says that the Logos was both imminent in the world as the force that holds all things together, while at the same time transcendent, going beyond itself as the mind or the logic of God. So for Philo, Zeno, and many other ancient Greek philosophers, uh, again, the Logos is not just something that we speak. It's not just words on a page, but it's the mind, logic, and power of God that creates orders and holds all things together. In the beginning was the Logos. 
or to give you a kind of a modern picture of the logos, this, this divine logic that, that seems to undergird and pervade all things. Let me share with you some scientific examples to kind of put it all into perspective. And some of this might sound familiar to some of you, but this is the only way I know how to help you see what the logos really is. So, at the basis of all existence, you will find what scientists call the constants and quantities of the universe. And very simply put, what the constants and quantities are, are the basic forces that undergird everything. We're talking things like gravity, the expansion rate of the universe, electromagnetism, the weak and strong forces, things like that. Now, to wrap your brain around how these constants and quantities work, just imagine that there's a control room at the center of the universe. And in this this control room, you will find a machine with hundreds upon hundreds of knobs. And what scientists tell us about these forces is that if just one of those knobs is off by a tiny fraction, then the universe as we know it wouldn't exist. For example, let's just say one of those knobs sets the power for gravity. So what would happen if that knob were off in 1 in 10 to the 60th power in either direction? None of this exists. And to give you a hint of just how small that number really is, our body contains 10 to the 14th power number of cells. That's trillions. While the number of seconds in the 13.8 billion years of our universe is only 10 to the 20th power. We're talking 10 to the 60th. So if gravity were stronger by this infinitesimal amount, then the universe after the Big Bang would have collapsed back in on itself and we have no universe. If gravity were weaker by this than just this infinitesimal amount, then all you would get is an expansion of the basic elements. Either way, gravity is set in such a precise way that if anything is off, then none of this exists. And that's just one example of the hundreds of constants and quantities of the universe that are set in such a precise way for anything to exist at all. Then what you'll find at the basis of all life is that life really is founded on four simple proteins. Adenine, cytosine, guanine, and thymine. And when you put those together in precise ways, you get DNA. And one of the ways to make sense of DNA is to imagine it as a very simple four-letter alphabet, A, C, G, T, that contains all the information that has ever been needed to create the complexity and the wonder of everything that lives. And then to get your brain around how this genetic alphabet works, all you need to do is think about our alphabet. And how our alphabet is really nothing more than a collection of symbols that represent sound, right? Then when you put them together in precise ways, it creates words. For example... The symbols O, D, and G, right? We call those letters, but those are symbols. When you put them together in the right order, it creates dog. And when I say dog, there's an image that comes up. Or if you put them in another way, it says God. And when you think God, another symbol comes up. And these words that are created by these letters in turn begin to create meaning. But it doesn't stop there because when you start adding words to other words, you get sentences. And then you add sentences to even more sentences and you get paragraphs. And from paragraphs, you get chapters, and from chapters, you get books. And what's contained in all of those books is the endless amount of information that we have collected as a human race. Or from this simple 26-letter alphabet, 
You get the development of a language that has the ability to create an infinite amount of words, sentences, and meaning. And this is the tool that we use to make sense of everything that we are and everything that exists. Well, very simply put, that's how DNA works. Except DNA, instead of creating words and sentences and meanings, this even simpler code, has the capacity to create all life from single-celled organisms to plants to animals, even human beings. If it is alive, DNA is the logic that makes all of that possible. So what I want you to see through these two examples is that built into the very fabric of the universe, built into the very fabric of life, there seems to be an infinite logic, reason, and design that undergirds and holds all of that together. And that, my friends, is what John is getting at when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you don't have chills right now, you're not paying attention, man. But it gets even better than that. We're still not done getting into the depth of all this because what happens when you turn back to the creation story, you'll find God doing this. And you guys know this. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and that happened. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place. God said, God said, then God said. Or, or what's being described in the first creation story? is the way God goes about creating and ordering all things is by speaking, right? And God said. And the reason why that's so interesting for us today is because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or for John, what God spoke in the beginning is, is not words like we think about words, but instead was the Logos. That power, force, energy, an agent that has the ability to create, order, and sustain all things. Or one of the ways to imagine what was going on in the beginning when God speaks the universe into existence is God is not just speaking words as we think of words. No. When God speaks, he is releasing this logos, this energy, this force in life to not only go out and create and order all things, but to continue to do the work of sustaining and holding all things together. Or as John put it, all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Are you guys starting to see why this is my great favorite Christmas story? So now that you get a sense of what John's talking about when he proclaims, in the beginning was the Word. It's now time to get into the most significant part of the prologue, the, the main point that John is trying to make. Because what John goes on to say about this Logos, which in the ancient world would have blown these people's mind, is this. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and lived among us. 
So what John is ultimately trying to get us to see through his Christmas story, is that what put on flesh and blood that first Christmas? Was that divine power, energy, force, and agent that has been worked since the beginning, creating and ordering and sustaining all things? Or the one who was born in a barn as this helpless baby boy almost 2,000 years ago was the Lagos. The reason, the rationality, the thing that holds all things together, the mystery that we are never going to understand, that's who showed up when Christ was born. But what's even more amazing than all of that is that the reason why the Logos put on flesh and blood to walk among us, he came to show us who God is. What it looks like to follow in the ways of God. But most importantly, this Logos came into the world to enter into a deep and abiding relationship with us. What we find when God came into the world, when the Logos came into the world, is that God is chasing after us. And I told you Christmas was bigger than you thought. Let us pray. Father, as we try to wrap our brain around the mystery that is the law, the mystery that is you and your son, we ask today that you'll just kind of leave us in awe. Help us to understand that you really are bigger than anything that we could get our minds around, and that's okay. So instead of trying to figure it all out, instead of trying to nail it all down, may we be the kind of people that when we encounter you, when we encounter your mystery, that your presence is enough, that a relationship with you is enough. So for Christmas this year, what we all really want most is a relationship with you or a deeper relationship with who you are. So come Logos, come God, come Son. You're invited into our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.